Good to be with you this morning. As I look out at everyone, I see that we're a little light this morning, but that's okay. Uh, I know that the Petroskis and the majority of the Bonds are in Austin, they're southwest. They're finishing up uh, their workshop uh, today, but they should be back, Lord willing, uh, this afternoon. Right after services, I'll be uh, heading out. Uh, they stuck me with the last lesson this afternoon, and so I'll have enough time to, to get there and uh, preach God's Word. But I certainly uh, love preaching God's Word. I love being able to teach. It's just something that I guess you would say is burning uh, in my bones. And I hope God's Word continues to, to be burning in my bones. I hope I always have that uh, desire uh, to preach God's Word and to strive to preach it more effectively. Someone has said that bad habits are, are like a comfortable bed, easy to get in and hard to get out. And good habits are like porcelain, easily broken. As you stop and think about the subject of, of habits, it should cause us to, to think about how we live our lives. And the Bible put great, put, puts great emphasis on how we are to conduct ourselves in the house of God as the people of God. You will find in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, that the Apostle Paul was encouraging young Timothy to behave himself in the house of God. Remember, Tim, uh, the Apostle Paul was, was incarcerated. He was in prison. And so he writes the book of First and Second Timothy to encourage this young evangelist to live in a way that would promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. When it comes to our behavior, the Old Testament has a lot to, to say about our behavior. And one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament on this subject is Psalm 101, verse number 2 through 4, where David says, I will behave myself wisely in an upright way. What a great attitude to have as the children of God. I, I want to live right. I want to behave my, myself wisely, walking in the wisdom of God. Well, in our lesson this morning, we're, we're going to note, note some things that we should be doing, some good habits that we need to cultivate uh, in our lives, and then we'll quickly notice some bad habits. I realize that this isn't an exhaustive list. These, there is so much you can add to the points that we'll be making, and I want to encourage you to do that. And then in our third point, we'll talk about how to, to overcome bad habits. I think it's important for us to, to focus on some, some good things, to, to highlight some negative things that we should avoid, but most importantly, how to overcome those bad habits. If you would, open your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to, to begin reading in verse number 12, and you're going to see uh, the first good habit that we should cultivate from these verses. Notice with me the reading of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read beginning at verse 12, and we're just going to read down through verse number 16, and we'll emphasize uh, one of the main points here. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, "...let no man despise thy youth." But be thou an example of the believers in word, 
in conversation or conduct, in charity or in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Look at verse 13. Till I come, young Timothy, give attendance, notice to these things, to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting, your spiritual progress, some translations, may appear to all. And then he says in verse number 16, Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, Thou shalt both save thyself and those that hear thee. As we think about what we see here in these verses, I really want to highlight verse number 13. We should be in the habit of reading the Word of God and really learning to read the Word of God. To read the Word of God with some enthusiasm. To really be excited. And I believe if we approach the Word of God, reading the Word of God, with that kind of enthusiasm, that kind of motivation, we'll develop this good habit of feasting upon the Word of God. To help me understand why this is such a good habit, I want you to think about the physical body for just a few minutes. You think about this, this physical body and, and what it takes in order to, to function. We understand how important food is. I don't know about you, but in all seriousness, I'm starving right now. I'm like really hungry. I haven't eaten anything all day. And, and after speaking, I guess you burn calories when you do that. But I get pretty hungry. And I'm ready to to eat something. And I realize that I have to eat something in order to function physically speaking. We have to eat. But you realize, spiritually speaking, you see the same idea. Spiritually speaking, our our soul, our, our spirit has to be fed in order to be a spiritual person. You must learn to feast upon the Word of God. That's why reading the Word of God is a good habit to get in, get into. Because the Word of God provides that, that spiritual nourishment. It provides that spiritual food that our soul so desperately needs. Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse number 4, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of my mouth, the Word of God. And Jesus puts a great emphasis, the Father puts great emphasis on hearing His Word. Think about Matthew 17, the Mount Transfiguration. As Peter, James, and Elijah went to the mountain, you remember Moses and Elijah appeared before them. Peter was was wanting to, to construct three tabernacles. God wasn't interested in that. God made it very clear to Peter on that day. You need to hear my son. That's how we grow. That's how our faith grows and and develops. 
Think about what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. And a lot of times we find ourselves living or walking by sight. We look at things and we make decisions. Spiritually speaking, Paul says the opposite. We're to walk by faith and not by sight. But in order to walk by faith, in order to live by faith, we have to feed our faith. And we learn in Romans 10, verse number 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. To emphasize this point, this first good habit, in Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14, the writer of Hebrews talks about the milk and the meat of God's Word. Why does the Word of God do that? Because God is helping us understand the nature of spiritual things. By looking at the physical, you take that baby. That baby loves, that baby cries after that milk. We are to have the same desire for the Word of God according to Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5. Solomon says we're to cry after knowledge. We're to have a spiritual appetite, a craving for the Word of God. As Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, verse number 6, Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Many times when I talk about feasting upon the Word of God, I, 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 I somewhat paraphrase Job 23, verse number 12. And, and if you turn over there and, and read that, you can see that, that I'm paraphrasing it and I'm doing it for a reason. Uh, when Job mentions this, I believe this is the idea. Job says, I love God's Word more than my necessary food. My necessary food. In order to live, in order to function. But I have a greater delight in the Word of God. And so, daily Bible reading, daily Bible study is a good habit that can be easily broken, but that must be developed. I encourage you to really learn to read the Word of God. Learn the Old Testament stories. Learn the New Testament. I was listening to a gospel preacher this, this weekend who has been preaching for many, many, many years. He's encouraged so many different gospel preachers you're talking about a man that has the Word of God burning in his bones. But I learned where it all started this weekend. You know where it started? It started with William's age. When his mom used to read all of the Bible stories to him. He says he could remember his mom sitting down and reading those Bible stories and he soaked it in. And in fact, he said he, don't, he doesn't remember how old he was, but he was just a little boy. He, he could remember after a period of time that he was telling his mom those Bible stories. Don't underestimate the power of reading the Word of God and how it can help us spiritually speaking. Number two, a second good habit that we need to cultivate, that we need to, to develop is daily prayer. You'll notice that. Daily reading, daily Bible study, but also daily prayer. I believe you can make the point that, that daily Bible reading and prayer go hand in hand. 
You know, there are some things that, that, that God joins together that man is not to separate. There are some things that, that God separates that man uh, is not to join. Well, here's one thing that God's joined. Daily Bible reading and prayer. Both are emphasized in the Scriptures. We are to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17. Listen to what David said in Psalm 5, verse number 3. Lord, in the morning you will hear my prayer. Lord, in the morning I will direct my prayer unto Thee. What a great way to start off every day in prayer to God. You know, as we think about the importance of prayer, and several points come to mind. Uh, this morning we, we have already thanked God. Our brother led us in, in prayer just thanking God for the spiritual blessings that, that we have. We learn in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 17 and 18, in everything we are to give thanks to God. We, we express our, our gratitude to God when we go to God in prayer. Do you realize all of us in here have concerns? We have cares, the cares of this world, whatever they might be. They're different, I realize that. But in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, we're commanded to cast our care upon God because He cares for us. We cast our cares. We bring those things to the throne of God, according to Hebrews 4, verse number 16, to find grace and mercy to help us in those times of need when we pray to God. Cast your care upon Him. Learn to talk to God. Learn to communicate to God through our mediator, Jesus Christ, as we bring our concerns before Him. We also make known our requests to God. Things that we need according to Philippians, according to Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. This is a good point though as it relates to prayer. As the children of God, and we so desperately need this, this is how we access God's second law of pardon. This is how we ask God to, to continually forgive us of our sins. This is how we contact the precious blood of Christ. It's through prayer according to 1 John 1, 7-9. through 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And one of the greatest examples of what we are talking about as we access the second law of pardon through prayer, is looking at the life of Simon the sorcerer. In Acts chapter 8, you remember he obeyed the gospel. His past sins were, were washed away. But then his heart wasn't right because he saw something. And he allowed those, those ungodly thoughts, those thoughts of, of covetousness to develop in his mind. And he wanted to buy the power that the apostles had. Give me this power Peter says, Simon, your heart is not right with God. Pray to God. That's how we access the second law of pardon. That's how we ask God to forgive us. Notice a, a third good habit that we need to cultivate in our lives. Having family devotionals is something that we do. Again, it's something that was encouraged in the Old Testament. It's something that is encouraged in the New Testament. Where in the Old Testament? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, which is, is 
known as the Shema of Israel, that states, Hear, O Israel. This is what the Israelites were to teach to their children. And you read Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. They were to be consistent in teaching their children. We do that through family devotionals. Bringing up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. Praying together as a family. Singing together as a family. Man, I'm encouraging Cole to learn more and more about song leading because I'm the one that has to do it in our family. I'm not very good at it. But I sure hope Cole learns how to do it. But we need to sing together as a family. We need to learn to pray together as a family. You've heard the old adage, a family that prays together stays together. And that's what we want. We want our families to stay together. And what a struggle it is to keep the family together. That's why this needs to be a good habit. Family devotionals. And I'm sitting here listening to this and I can tell you right now, that's an area where I definitely need to improve in. But then think about this, this next good habit. Not only family devotionals, but regular worship. Being consistent in that. Do you realize that there were some brethren that became inconsistent in that? Read Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 26. There were those that, that were forsaking the assembling of, them, of themselves together. Don't do that. Because when we come together into one place, we do so for a purpose. And that is to draw near to God so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be renewed spiritually speaking, so that we won't grow weary and well-doing. There is so much value in what we are doing this morning as we come together as the people of God, as we pray together as we remember our Lord's sacrifice, His death, as we give of our means, as we open the Word of God, as we sing together, as we lift up our voices, we, we express our gratitude to God, we teach, we admonish one another. Coming together upon the first day of the week should be the highlight of our week. I promise you, you can take these, these four things, you can easily add another four. And I would encourage you to do that. But let me mention a, a few bad habits. And I, I promise you, we can make a long list of them. I just want to mention a, a few that, that might be somewhat challenging. Things that, that we need to avoid. And I think to a certain degree, there, there might be some of a, a twist on some of these things. And I'll explain uh, what I'm talking about here in, in just a few minutes. But as you think about things to avoid, one thing that we must avoid is fault finding. Now, as I said, there could be a little twist on these things. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Now, we've been studying the book of, 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 of Genesis. I'll get it right. It starts with a G. Genesis on Wednesday night. 
And we've talked about being our, our brother's keeper. Well, we do have a, a responsibility toward one another, but we're not to go out and police the brotherhood. Your attitude has to be right in this. But we need to avoid fault finding. And it really boils down to the heart of an individual. God knows your heart. God knows your motives. He, he knows my motives. But this certainly could be taken out of context. And you've probably heard the context of Matthew chapter 7, beginning of verse 1, Judge not, lest you not be judged. See right there, we're never to judge one another. Do you realize Matthew 7 is not teaching that? Jesus is not teaching that we shouldn't ever practice righteous judgment toward one another. That is a violation of that context. You know what Jesus is forbidding? Hypocritical judgment. Do you realize if my brother is overtaken in a fault, I have to use some righteous judgment to determine that? But as I said, my heart better be right in how I deal with it. My motive better be right when I deal with it. I don't want to go around trying to find all of the faults that I see in my brethren. That is a bad habit. Sad to say, I believe there are probably some brethren that are like that. You know the Pharisees were like that. They lived for that. And they viewed themselves as being the standard. And they're not the standard. I'm not the standard. Jesus Christ, His Word is the standard. Another thing that we should avoid is anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, verse 6. If we're not careful, we can get into a habit where we worry about everything. And it begins to affect us physically speaking and spiritually speaking. And I believe this is something that we're probably all challenged with. We have to learn to, to cast those anxieties upon God. Take those things to God. Let God help you work through those things. Think about this, this next bad habit. Pessimism. As you think about this, this bad habit, jot down Philippians 2 verse number 14. Do all things. You'll notice the text doesn't say just some things. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. One thing we learn in the Old Testament about murmuring and complaining in the book of Numbers, it's contagious. And it will affect you. It will affect a congregation. It will affect a family. And you stop and think about pessimism and why it's so terrible. It paralyzes you, spiritually speaking. Read Numbers chapter 13. You remember their pessimistic spirit. We can't do this. Let's go back to Egypt. In Numbers chapter 13, God says they became grasshoppers in their own sight. They empowered the enemy. And that's what we do. We empower the devil to work in our lives when we have this pessimistic spirit. Joshua and Caleb, Numbers 14.24, says they had a different spirit. They had the spirit of optimism. By the way, you can add that to the good list. A good habit to have. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who 
strengthens me. Another bad habit to, to avoid is cheating. Cheating. It goes against the golden rule that we see in Matthew 7, verse number 12. Another bad habit? Anger. To me, anger is, is one of those things that, that we are challenged with at times. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9, Solomon says, Be not hasty to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Be careful if you're the kind of a person that easily loses their cool. We are to, to practice self-control. We have to learn to, to control that. We don't want to get into a, a habit of blowing our top with the little things that make us angry. We could go on and on and on with the bad habits. Things that, that we are to avoid. But in this last point, I want you to think about how to avoid a bad habit. I've been thinking about this, and, and you stop, and, and first of all, if we're going to overcome a bad habit, we have to turn to the Word of God, and we have to understand what good habits are, what bad habits are. As we illustrated this morning, you study God's Word. You learn to discern between right and wrong, according to Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Another passage that you could put with Hebrews 5, 11-14 is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 21-22. Test all things, hold fast to that which is good, uh, abstain from all appearance of, of evil. We have to check things out. We have to consider what the Word of God says about the things that we do in this life to determine whether this is something that I should cultivate or this is something that I should avoid. Now, as you examine your life, if it's something that, that you should avoid, and maybe you're wondering in, the mind, in your mind, should I avoid this? One of the things you can do or one of the things you can ask yourself that will a lot of times answer that question is this. Would Jesus Christ do it? Would He do it? Would Jesus steal? Absolutely not. Would Jesus say something ungodly? Will Filthy communication, bad habit, come out of our Lord's mouth. Would Jesus do that? Would Jesus do this? Ask yourself that question. And a lot of times you can determine whether or not it's a bad habit. But if we understand that it is a, a bad habit, let us talk about how to attack it. How to avoid it. First, we must cultivate an intense desire to overcome it. As David did in Psalm 39, verse 1, I will not sin with my tongue. An intense desire to overcome the bad habit. Number two, we have to abhor it. We know that it's something that we shouldn't be doing. We've already determined that. We've looked at the Word of God. We thought about, would Jesus do it? No, He wouldn't do it. And so we have to abhor it like Jesus. Hebrews 1.9, He loved righteousness. He, he hated iniquity. That's how we overcome a, a bad habit. We have, again, this intense desire to overcome it. We develop a, a hatred toward it. These things are our steps that, that will help us. Thirdly, we must 
ask God to help us. We have to lean upon God and not our own understanding. Proverbs 3, verse number 5. And then number 4, we need to ask our brethren to help us. That's where sometimes we become uncomfortable. We've got a bad habit, but we're struggling with it. I know it's wrong, and I'm asking God to help me, but I don't want to say anything to my brethren. That's, again, where we, we go wrong. Remember, we're talking about defeating it. We're talking about overcoming it. We are brethren. And we're here to encourage. We're here to help one another. Do you realize that is the context of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2? you realize that there's a burden that, that we have to bear on our own? In other words, there's a backpack that we have to wear on our own. You can't wear that pack for me. I can't wear that pack for you. But then Paul talks about a burden that we help one another with. You know what that burden is from the context of Galatians chapter 6? It is the burden of sin. Things that we are to avoid. We help one another with that burden. But in order to, to help one another, we have to learn to trust one another. And I realize probably over the years people have been burned with that, but that shouldn't keep us from trying to lean upon our brethren. Our brethren. Our brethren are important. We lean upon one another. We insulate one another with the challenges that we face in this life. And I truly believe from the Word of God as we've talked about this morning, when we learn to do that, follow those steps, we can overcome any bad habit. You know, with our brethren, we have accountability. With God, we have accountability. Learn to appreciate that. Learn to be thankful for that. I hope this lesson this morning will encourage you, that it will encourage me to really stop and, and evaluate, to take spiritual inventory. God encourages us to do that. We see this in Psalm 119, verse 59 and 60. David says, I, I thought on my ways. That's exactly what we're doing this morning. We're thinking about our lives. We're thinking about things that we're striving to cultivate daily. We're also talking about things that we are to avoid. It's exactly what David was doing. I thought on my way by turning my feet to your testimonies. You know, David, as he did that, he realized there were some changes he needed to make. He says in that same context, I made haste and delay not to keep thy commandments. He didn't procrastinate. By the way, add that to the list. Bad habit to procrastinate. You can go on and on. But we learn these things by practicing self-examination. By looking into the mirror of the Word of God. Aren't you thankful for the Word? Aren't you thankful that the Word challenges us? Aren't you thankful that the world transforms us? By the way, you stop and think about transformation, metamorphosis. It's easier to be conformed to the world than it is to be transformed. It's easy to follow a multitude to do evil, but to be transformed. Oh, there's a process. And we need to welcome that process because that's what God is interested in. 
He's interested in transformation and cultivating good habits in our life. Avoiding bad habits will help us transform into the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8, verse number 29. What about it this morning? Spiritually speaking, if we can help you with anything spiritually speaking this morning, we want you to know that the Lord is here for you. We're here for you. If you need a response, won't you please come right now as we stand and as we stand.